There have been three times in my life where God has, like Danny said, said the big things to me. And he's done it in overwhelming ways where he doesn't stop and it just keeps coming. And after testing, it just feels like green light, green light, go. The first was in marrying my wife. That was a good decision. That was a good decision. That was God's decision. And it was his timing and he's blessed it. It was tested and prayed over and sought after and then just green light after green light. And then God uses that in such a blessing in my life, her life, and everyone's life. Um, the second one was for me becoming a pastor in the first place. I love ministry, I love the church, but never feel called into, I guess, the responsibility of being a shepherd over a flock. Um, so that was one that, kind of like marriage, I went into kicking and screaming a little bit. Like, I don't see it, I don't feel it, it's not what I want, it's not what I picture, it's, it's like stiff arm a little bit. But then God just kept saying and kept saying and kept saying. And the third one is happening right now. The third most significant time of my hearing God speak in that overwhelming big way is happening right now. Because I think as I started off in ministry, my approach was I just want to serve in the places that are there to the best of my ability. So it's sort of like, what's happening? How can I help it keep happening? I feel like at this time, God's saying, what's happening and how should it happen? Let's not just keep doing what we've always done just because it's what has been there to do. Let's hear from God what it is and how it is that he wants us to do it. And so I think it's a, there's a sameness to it. We're just pursuing God. We're loving God. We're loving our neighbor. But he's asking me to reevaluate how much of a beneficial impact is the church or his people having on the world? Where are we seeing the fruit? Where are our families, our children, our neighbors coming alive in Christ? And how does our gathering, whether it be on a Sunday or in serve home or any capacity, what does it look like? What's it for? And so my wrestling match with God right now is about hows, not what's, hows. How do we do this? How would you lead us in this time so we can be most effective? Time is short. Life is short. If we're raising children in our home, that time, the opportunity is short. I want to make the most of it. The people who are in our lives now might not be in our lives six months from now. The time is short. I want, to, I want to live with fruitfulness and joy in whatever time that God has put us in. And so I wanted to share with you the thoughts that God is saying to me and then come back to Moses and Joshua at the end. Instead of teaching the verse and then expanding upon it, I'd like to share with you very simply couple little scribbles on the board, what I feel God is saying to me, and then go to Scripture and say, this is actually, this is just what God does. And he actually, he did this for Moses and Joshua in a beautiful way. So for those of you that haven't been around, can I draw you a little diagram here? The two things which in my life have been some of the most powerful and beautiful times, the place where I've felt closest to God, the places where I've made my closest friends, the places where I've grown into who I am, places of love, are church and missions. And the way I always grew up understanding this is the church is the local congregation of believers, and missions are like foreign missions, missions that you go on, missions that you do, and they're kind of like a supplement. So you have this, the things that you go and do, and this is what you're a part of all the time. And these have been like my two loves my entire life. I grew up in the church. That's where my best friends have been. My family never lived close to relatives. 
So who are my brothers and sisters? The other kids in the church. Who are my aunts and uncles? The adults in the church. That's my family. I have great love for that. Not that it's perfect. Church is never perfect. It's made of people. So it goes well sometimes. It doesn't go. But it's family. That sounds like family. But I've, some of my most significant God encounters have been on mission trips to wherever places that I've gone with whatever groups, some that I've led, some that I've been on, just felt like, man, when we all pitch in together and we commit like a chunk of time and we just put everything else out of our mind, we put our money where our mouth is and we put our time where our mouth is and we're all there. It's like this Christian bubble. It's like Mount Monadnock. It's snow camp. It's wow. Everybody here is just here for the Lord doing something and we're, it's beautiful. And then thought of that as kind of like the, the sparks, you know, that come off of the center. Like a good thing that came off, good thing that came off. But I, also, I always saw them as kind of like complementary things. Not the same thing. So God did one of these a few years ago. And um, He used Michaela to lead us into this because God had put it on her heart that we would do some kind of local mission. And for the first time ever in my life, I saw these two things come together. The same people that sit on Sunday services, the same people that come to Wednesday Bible studies, the same people that are in MOPS group and celebrate recovery, the same people who come to Wednesday night band practice, the same people who are Sunday school, like the same people were the mission. I just had never seen it that way before. I'd always taken a group of teens on a mission trip. My first mission trip, I went alone. I went to Papua New Guinea when I was 13 and just like, bye parents, I'm off. So like there's 13-year-old Dave, let's just travel the world because who cares and it's going to be fun and God wants me to and I love it. Like never had the thought that like this is what we're all supposed to be mobilized to. It's just God put it on some people's hearts here and here and here and so pockets of people time. But this was not like that. And so if I can draw a light bulb. This was like a defining moment where God said, Hey, doofus, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And I needed to see it for myself. I, I really did. I'm slow that way. I had to see it for myself. I think I always used to think of church as sort of like the educational branch of the kingdom. And so you come and you learn. But honestly, when I look around, and I'm like looking at all of you, we have a bunch of leaders in this church. Leaders who've been trained up in the word, who love the Lord, who have experience serving and initiating and using their gifts, a bunch of leaders. And if we keep this separate, it's going to be like a bunch of professors all going to class every day instead of saying, what class could I teach? And who else needs to learn? Or let's just get out of the institutional mentality entirely and just say, I learned, and now let me graduate. Let's go do with what we've learned. So this, to me, is just a natural progression of everything that God's been doing, but in a way, it's, it's pivotal. It's conceptual. How do we view ourselves? 
So the influence that has been God's spirit upon me has been the kind that over the last year as we've been experimenting, seeing if this is what God wants, it's been a lot of sleepless nights, like some of you mentioned, not able to like get thoughts out of my head. What should we be doing? How can we serve the Lord? It's been a lot of testing. Conversations with probably all of you here at one point or another, or many of you many times, um, of trying, going over to L Street, doing things. What does it look like for us to grow as believers, to live as God on mission? And in a way, the Psalm 23 memorization that our kids did last year kind of was pivotal in its own way for God to show me what he really wants my role to be, say, this year. You know, if last year was figuring out if mission is where God wants us, what does it look like? I'd like to suggest this. Or maybe just for clarity, even we can call it Monday to Saturday. But when we come together on Sunday, it's to learn, right? We want to learn from each other, but it's also to share. I wouldn't be surprised on the weeks where we share stories if some of the stories that people share are more impactful than the sermon I preach. I wouldn't at all be surprised by that. I mean, that's beautiful. We are not just here to receive. We're here to give. It's a give and receive. We share with each other. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 14 says, When you come together, each one of you has a hymn, a word, a revelation, a prophecy, a tongue, and it's all brought together. Um, but Monday to Sunday, or Monday to Saturday, you know, the rest of the week, Yeah, sir, that's mission. That's mission. So if we gather together, maybe we put the arrows in here, kind of like come together and learn from one another, and then this is probably going out. (laughs) I don't know if it was an audible voice, but I have a distinct and clear memory of two statements that I know God said to me in which he's confirmed every step of the way. One is that he wants me to lead us into fruitfulness, lead us into action together instead of being the sitting and listening Christians, being vibrant in the world together. That's the first part. That's my job is to somehow lead in that direction. But the second part is, I'm not supposed to tell you how. The how is supposed to be something that we're to figure out together, that God tells us all together. I'm confident in that. I know that. And so I begin with the Psalm 23 to look at these as kind of like locations, almost like fields. So if I'm a shepherd, then I will hope to gather some people into this place on a Saturday, and maybe we can do some equipping. All right, maybe we can share, maybe we can, maybe we can sing, maybe we can worship, maybe we can love each other, 
Maybe we can grow. Maybe we can challenge one another. That's what this place is. Create a space for it. But I don't want to be the only voice speaking in this place. I don't want to be the only one worshiping. I don't want the people in during the singing times of worship just have performers on a stage singing to an audience of, like, listeners. Bring your song. Bring your voice. Bring your thoughts. Bring what God is saying to you because this place, I think I'm supposed to set aside and create space for us to gather and share and learn together. Think about silence. I think it was you that said we don't take the time sometimes just to stop. When do we give ourselves permission, and maybe we should right now, to just have silence? Let's just take 10 seconds of silence. Just take a breath. We just don't create space. We run from one thing. Even our services are running. They're like time-oriented. I got 15 minutes of this, got five minutes of this, got 30 minutes. Like just, that's how we think. And I think what God is saying to me is make space on this Sunday for us to come together, hear what he's doing in his kingdom, learn from one another. But Monday to Sunday, I think what this is supposed to look like is your people and your purpose. That's what mission is. That's what mission is. And I don't know who you and your people will be. Maybe it'll be two of you. Maybe it'll be ten of you. What is your purpose? What is God doing in your life? What spiritual gifts is he equipping with you right now? What people is he putting on your heart right now? I couldn't tell you that. That's not my job. But I think my job is to not keep you so busy Monday to Saturday with activities that support this local church that we focus on ourselves versus being outward. I actually, in this season of life, want to free you up that you live your lives however God is calling you to with whatever groups of people that God's calling you to be free to live in whatever way God's calling you. I want to help you do that. I'm not going anywhere, but I can't tell you your purpose. The Holy Spirit can. I can't tell you who God's put in your heart to gather together with. The Holy Spirit can. But for this reason, the approach that I know I need to take this coming year for us is not to create another set of small groups where we're doing like certain curriculum and studying a certain thing, and not to start up another Wednesday night Bible study. We have a certain topic and be there. And not to start up another thing that's a very programmatic thing because what's going to happen is many of us will be like, I'd love to do that, and then we'll do it. Like, ah, but I don't have time to just have my neighbors over and talk to them because, you know, Tuesday I'm at church for music, and then Thursday I've got the small group, and then Saturday morning I go to a Bible study. All I want us to do is just figure out who God is calling us to be and be that. I want to set you free from feeling like it has to be done at certain times or in certain ways. I want to find out from you what this looks like. What does mission look like? And I want to invest myself in creating spaces so that this happens on Sunday. I want to help us create space so that those things happen Monday through Saturday, Monday through Sunday. And whether this is a missional community 
whether this is some sort of independent one-off ministry or mission, we have to let God show us what that's going to be for each of us. There's not going to be the new campaign coming through. And this is how we're going to... No, just please seek after mission and who God has made you to be. Whether it's with two or 20, whatever it looks like. This is how I believe church right now for us and for our church is meant to operate. I want to encourage us to live into these things. Uh, it reminds me of Ephesians 4. 11, do we know this one? It just comes after God gave some to be apostles. God gave some to be prophets. The giftings in the church, the different leadership and different types of people that God brings together, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, what are they for? Come on, you tell me. Yeah. If there's an equip word in there, which I like because I feel like it fits too. What's the equip word in that sentence? Equip the saints. Equip the saints so that it grows up into the fullness of the body. And who's the head? Christ. Christ is the head. So we'll become mature, abounding in every good work. Like we're just trying to grow up into Jesus. He's the head. I'm not the head. You're not the head. But we're trying to grow up into him. And so I'm trying to conceive of myself as the equipper, how can I equip you to live out God's purposes for your life? Because he does have great purposes. They just need to be ones that you find. That's your job. To just make the time to set apart with Jesus and say, who are you calling me to be right now? Who are you calling me to gather together with right now? So I'm still in a period of trying to figure out what this looks like with God. But between him and me, and between me and you, I don't think there's any more experimenting needed as to whether God wants to grow us in this way. I'm not mentally still experimenting whether mission, whether us being active and alive in the world is what God's calling this group and this church to. That is what he wants for us. I am a thousand percent convinced of it. But we need to find it together. We need to explore it. And there'll be some things we try and they don't work the way we thought. Great, awesome. The pursuit, isn't that what Jesus wants? He's not about our professionalism or our effective results and measuring what were the statistics of the effectiveness of this program. That, no. Did the Holy Spirit put a little burning desire in your heart for a certain group or a certain ministry or a certain person? And did he also put that in the heart of someone else? Then when you talk with them, you realize you felt the same and then you went and did. Was God glorified? Because what it comes back to is not whether we can get a lot of stuff done. Sounds a lot like works when you're just trying to get a lot of stuff done. But you know what? If there's a lot of ministries going on that are focused in the centralized church, such as uh, the Bible studies and small groups and all those things which can be good, they can also become works of a sort too. We're doing the right things. I go to Bible study. Maybe never witness to my neighbor. I maybe never pray from my spouse, but I'm doing, no. We're just looking to connect deeply with the Father and then live that out. And so this, this season, my responsibility, I think, is to, to lead us as a shepherd into Sundays and figure out how this pasture could be really fruitful, really nourishing. 
still waters, green pastures. And so I'm thinking about that. I'm praying about that. I would love any ideas that anybody has. I'm hoping that it will be us coming together versus just me. That's what I think this is for, our gathered times. And here, I'm going to be following that for myself, right? God, what are you telling me to do? But I want to encourage you to pursue that for yourselves as well. You have to find this. We could put find maybe up here. I don't want to tell you. God has almost told me I don't have permission to tell you how. That's what God has said to me. I don't have permission to tell you how. But that's kind of what I've learned through 10 to 12 years of pastoring here. It's been 13 now. Who even knows? But um, like I've learned how to like organize things, how to direct things, how to communicate. How, so like all of my practice and experience is in like how do we get together and what's God saying and do we see it? Yes, let's go. Like, so you'll need to be patient with me as I learn a new way to lead into new things because I don't want to tell you how to be whatever God is telling you what he wants you to be. I want to give you permission, and I want to create spaces for that. If a missional community is a space for that, great. If you and your friend over coffee every Tuesday lunch is a space for that, great. This is, this is what God is saying to me. And like I said, I want to bring it back to Joshua and Moses. It's just a couple of verses. If you read them with me, then, like I said, I'd like this to be a discussion. So for the last 10, 15 minutes here before we take communion, before we come together, I'd like to hear what God is saying to you about this. Let's test it. When a prophet says something, when someone says, this is why I feel God's saying, then test it. What are the things that, that echo in your heart? What are the things that come up as cautions or red flags or warnings or worries? Like Questions. If we're going to test something from God, I want to test it together. But because it's so closely, we're in Numbers, um, yeah, Numbers 11.29, like is up there on the wall. Numbers 11.29 is the key verse, and there's a little story that leads up to it. I'd love to encourage you to read it. Um, Leviticus Numbers, Numbers 11. All right, so verse 16, to set the stage for what's about to happen. Numbers eleven sixteen. Just let me share this. doesn't need much explanation. Just share it, and then I want to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you in response to all this. So, Numbers eleven sixteen. Then the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people, and bring them to the tent of meeting. And let them take their stand with you, there with you, and I will come down and talk with you there. And I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so you may not bear it alone. And say to the people, consecrate yourself. So who's initiating this conversation? God. He has a plan. And his plan is, Moses, please gather people, because I'm about to do something. And that's kind of like what I feel. I feel like God's about to do something. It's not up to us to make it happen. Just like get ready for it. God wants to do something. This is the thing that God was doing right then for them. He's about to pour his spirit out on some people in the nation of Israel. So he does. He gathers them. We're going to scan down. Verse 24, Moses went out, told the people the words of the Lord, gathered 70 Men, the elders of the people, and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud, and he spoke to him. And he took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. 
but they didn't continue doing it. So it was like a one-time deal. It's like an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They, they prophesied. They spoke on behalf of the Lord. They connected with God. It was God pouring his spirit out and was alive. And it wasn't just Moses. It wasn't just this one guy who parts the Red Sea, this one guy who talks to God. God was speaking directly, came down through the cloud. It was amazing. Amazing. All these elders, all these people, men of God, filled with the Spirit. But, verse 26, best part of it all, the two rebels. Now, two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad, the other Medad, and the Spirit rested on them. They were among those who were registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. And so they, they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad made out of prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, who we know is the military leader, so he's a strategic thinker, I imagine. Moses is a prophet, right? Uh, pre Aaron is the priest. Moses is the prophet. He speaks on behalf of God. He hears from God. He speaks what he hears God saying and leads in that way. Aaron's the one that does the consecrating and all that. Um, Joshua is a military commander. God raised up. So he's like A plus B. He's like battalions. He's like strategies. He's like flanks. He's like, we're going to commence operations at 02500. Like he's that guy. And God used him perfectly to bring them into the promised land. But in this case, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This was not according to procedure. God specifically said, bring these people to the tent of meeting. And this is two rebels over here. We're going to court-martial them. What are we going to do? He's offended. Verse 28, Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, my Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Joshua's like, you got to go to the temple to do the priestly things. These people are doing it where they live. Moses is like, why would you want to stop that? They're prophesying in the camp, in their tents, where they live, among their people. Let God be God. I wish that all of God's people could speak on his behalf. Well, if we fast forward to Joel, we know that it's predicted that in those last days, the Holy Spirit poured out on all people. If we go forward to the book of Acts, we know that the Holy Spirit was poured out on all people. And if we go forward into the New Testament letters, we know that we operate by the power of the Spirit. Every believer, every Christian, there's no more priest. All together, living out the power of God. So actually, right now, we are living out Moses' dream. He wished, what would it look like if the entire nation of Israel could be prophets, could do miracles, could connect with God, could live with that power? Don't stop them just because they didn't come to the temple. But sometimes we stop ourselves and we expect the holy stuff to be done at the holy locations. We go to church. We go to a retreat. We go to a foreign missions trip. We're supposed to be in the camp. We're supposed to be living in the power of the Spirit everywhere we go. And when that happens, it's, it's like Moses' dream come true. We actually get to live out that little taste that he had of what it might look like. Let's not be like Joshua in this instance. Let's not shut it down. Let's not shut down the work of the Spirit so it only happens at designated times and places. We need to live it out. And that is our purpose, is just to live out the Holy Spirit what he's saying to us, and to do it with people. We're not meant to be lone rangers or isolated. There's no such thing as Christianity without community. It has to be done together. So when I see this, I see the beauty of gathering together and learning and encouraging one another, but I see the place of the mission field being what the Holy Spirit sends us to 
And I don't want to get in that way by over-programming you. I don't want to get in the way of what the Spirit is doing by trying to tell you what the Spirit is doing in your life. I don't want to get in the way of what God's about to do in his church by trying to decide what God's about to do. He's told me just create spaces and preach fruitfulness. Preach living by the Spirit for the glory of God in the world. So this is what I believe church for us is meant to look like. And obviously all the red stuff in there, that's the flexible stuff. Who knows what that's going to look like? But when we come together, I want to help equip us so that we can go out and be Eldad and Maydad out in the community. So I wanted this Sunday to be half sermon, half sharing, half learning, half thinking about pursuing God's will. But I also wanted to create space to say about these things, what are the things that you feel God is saying about them? What things trigger your heart, either in a a warming, like excitement, or in a caution, be careful, because I'm not allowed to build this by myself. We're supposed to do it together. So can I just ask for thoughts so we can do this together?